Welcome to Namaste and Rosé, a yoga rant podcast. <laughs> Hi. Hey. 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 Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Sleepy today. I didn't do are anything. You? Yeah. Why are you? Why are you echoey? Am I? I don't know. Maybe my ears are just echoey today. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's a problem if it is. You know what I think it is? I'm not used to having my computer <laughs> turned up. You're <laughs> sorry. Wait I'm like <laughs> uh, dying. No, I think I'm just not used to having my volume turned up this far. Anyway. Well, maybe turn it fucking down. Yeah, but I like to hear your shrillness when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's a lovely jumpsuit romper thing you have on, Sarah. I like to call it my onesie. It's <laughs> more appropriate. <laughs> I, I, what is the difference? What's the I, difference between? I'm not aware there is one. Is like a romper more flowy or like shorter in the leg? Like a, comp- a, a romper just sounds dirty. Like, hey. You know, like I'm my, my romper. Uh, and jumpsuit sounds like you're about to fly out of an airplane. <laughs> so I don't like either. <laughs> oh my God. I just sparkling water up the nose right now from that one. Uh, that's why I like onesie. Um, there's no, you know what? I only wear these like all summer long. Like I pretty much have like one for every day of the week. Huh. And I've got the dressy one that I have on today. And then I've got like the sporty spice one. And then I've got like the, the really cool hipster one. And then I've got a really neat athletic Adidas one that mm-hmm. I'm not shitting you. Like I wore it to an event one time and people were like, oh my God, is it vintage? I'm like, mm, it was $8 at TJ Maxx. So I don't know. Nice. It was, a, it was an amazing find. But, and it's like the short shorts, like, like running shorts, but it's got like a, a, like a loose tank top attached to it. That one was pretty much my favorite interesting yeah I might have to take a photo I should just yeah I should just like model them all for you throughout the episode you should (laughs) um but I really I think it's that I just love getting completely naked every time I have to pee that's what I was just about to say it's like I love them but then all of a sudden you're very very naked in a public bathroom or you know like um, I'm not gonna lie my flowier ones I've figured out how to pull the leg aside (laughs) Shut up. <laughs> well, um, and, I, and I realized I can't do it with this one at a failed attempt earlier today at the studio. Um, so I was going to say, that's a dangerous game you're playing. It's a very dangerous game. So I, um, yeah, some of the really flowy ones, you can just pull the leg aside and be like, all right. Um, especially if you're going commando. But um, right. in this situation today, it was just, it was a precarious moment and I opted against it and I had to pee so bad. I was like, all right, I have to unzip. I have to undo the clasp. I have to pull it all the way down. And then the phone started ringing and I was like, mother fuck. Oh no. Well, and that's the other thing. Why would you ever put a zipper in the back where you can't really reach it? Like have it on the side. Honestly, that's, that's kind of the worst thing about being single is I have to show up to work half dressed all the time and be like, Hey, could you, my assistant is like, what, what's going on back there? And I'm like, Oh, by the way, could you zip me up? And she's like, how are you going to get out of it later? I'm like, who, no one knows. <laughs> exactly. You're like running around in circles with your hand on your back, trying to zip it up. 
Well, that would be funny if that didn't really happen. Every I day. know. I know it does because it's happened to me before. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Tally. <laughs> Welcome to Namaste and Rosé. We're the doing The Yoga it. Rant Podcast. I like how serious you are in our opener. The Yoga Rant Podcast. Ooh. Ah. Well, you know, because we have to stay in our authentic selves and... Be right. serious. Your teacher voice. Yeah. Be serious about actually the one that we recorded when Tom and I were going through um his like songs and stuff like that. And so we were just I was saying, I was like, okay, this is what we're gonna say. So play along so we have the beat and everything. Um, I sounded much better. And then when it was you and I recording it, I'm like, a yoga rant podcast. And I'm like, where did that voice? <laughs> and also come because from? I don't know how to adjust levels, it just stayed that loud. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even my voice wasn't very, like when we were practicing and I was giving you those uh, to look at or to listen to, it was like a yoga rant podcast. And on this one, I'm like a yoga rant podcast. I don't know. It's weird. Like I, like I can't tell it. Maybe that's just what you sound like all the time. And just from New Jersey. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, it was weird. Uh, and you're all welcome. <laughs> I know. I know. I put on my like sexy phone operator voice, like my <laughs> 900 <laughs> One nine hundred. Nobody under the age of like thirty five understands that joke just now. No, they do not. They, yeah, they don't. Well, I yeah. So maybe we should give a shout out to Cameron. We officially have an editor slash producer ish, and he made us official with our little opener. So yay, yay! We're, we're a real podcast, guys. It just Woo. took like a year and a couple months. It's fine. I know. I know. We never officially did anything for our year because we're just, COVID. yeah, just blame COVID. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the year of 2020 is blame it on COVID. It's fine. Yeah. Even before. Well, I mean, it was here in January. I mean, yeah. Ooh. Or I, I brought it back from China back in November. So it's fine. <laughs> I think you did. I think I did. Remember, I coughed in your mouth. I know. And I was so mad at you. And then I've been sick ever since. Thanks. I know. You're welcome. So see, I was asymptomatic and you were symptomatic and, and threw up from coughing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Honestly, I really don't. But I mean, it's a serious situation. I shouldn't be laughing about it. But I yeah, mean, at this point, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry or I don't know, hurt yourself. Right. A, a person um, from high school, his mother passed away this week from it. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like now I feel like, well, I mean, yeah, now I know somebody who, you know, like a close relative at this point, like his wow. mom, but I didn't, I not, you know, I, we're just Facebook friends and that's how I knew. I haven't really kept up with him outside of just like, oh, they went on vacation or whatever, you know, but right. um, yeah, I mean, that sucks because now it's like, and in Texas, so, and a, a friend of mine also from high school had it, but she didn't have like severe symptoms. She's our age. Like she was sick, but um, got over it relatively easy. Yeah. So yeah. So it's it it is interesting how it how it just it affects everybody, and that's why you need to be careful and wear a mask and not cough in people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> you're in my face, but you're in my computer screen, so it's fine. <laughs> exactly. 
One day we might see each other in person. Mm, unlikely. What was that face? <laughs> like ew, seeing somebody in person? What? Oh, yowie. I think that's my problem. I'm really missing my friends right now. And I don't really like a lot of people and I don't have a lot of friends. So it's starting to get to me. <laughs> and they don't like you either. I'm just saying. <laughs> Which is why nobody invites me to do anything, but that's okay. I would probably say no. Like I want to be invited and then I'll 90% of the time would say no. Well, I want to be invited so that I can say yes and then cancel last minute because I'm overwhelmed and have anxiety. That is you completely. Mm -hmm. You do mm -hmm. that. You're like, I yeah, do. totally. And then you're a no show or you're like five minutes before something. I can't do it. That's true. You totally do that. Hey, I know myself well. It's fine. Everything's <laughs> At fine. At least you can admit it. <laughs> hey, social anxiety is a real thing. Yeah. It is. And everybody's like, oh, but you're so outgoing at work and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I, I have to. <laughs> right. I feel and it's not way. to say that I don't love interacting with my students and I don't love being, uh, you know, at the studio and around all those people. I mean, I, I, I appreciate it because I'm around them all the time. And so it doesn't feel like as socially awkward as, you know, going to a party, a pool party at someone's house that I kind of know. And standing in the corner drinking my sparkling water. And now that I haven't been drinking, I have to tell you, it's way worse. I was going to say this. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> now you're like, you don't have that edge of, I know all the people who like have stopped drinking are probably really pissed off at us right now, but like, um, like really stopped drinking because they had a problem, but right. You know, like. Yes, you can still interact with people, but I, I do really think like it takes that edge off. And if you do say something silly, you can just be like, ha ha ha. And I haven't learned. Or you don't even know that you said something totally stupid. Right, right. Um, and everybody else is in the same situation. So they probably didn't notice either. Well, and I feel like, so I have a ton of sober friends. And so that's why this hasn't been as far as like the not drinking thing, it, it hasn't been that hard because well also COVID, I mean, I'm not like hanging out at people, you know, to, right. we're not going to, we're not going to bars or whatever. Right. But I do have a lot of friends who are super social, who will still meet up with group. I mean, not now, but have met up with friends at bars and, you know, gone to karaoke and gone dancing and all of that stuff. And, you know, they, they're just so comfortable in being sober that it's not a big deal and they can be around alcohol and, and whatever else. Um, but I, I have noticed that those are the people that are like so outgoing anyway, right. and I'm not that person. I'm, I'm outgoing socially after work because I've had a rosé or some bubbles mm -hmm. and, or maybe some whiskey and then I just cry later. But <laughs> I, so I think it's kind of interesting navigating all of that stuff. And I, I've got, I mean, I've never been, except for when I was with my ex who drank a lot. I was never really a big drinker. Like I've just never, I mean, you know that, like I've just yeah. never ever been. And, um, and it's like kind of ebbed and flowed, but I've never like actually like clocked it before and been like, but now I'm like so competitive about it. It's like, Oh my, I was totally going to drink on 4th of July as like a woohoo. I did it. You know, I made it a couple months and, um, now I'm just like, Ooh, should I wait until my birthday, which is in December? And then it's like, that's my 40th. And then I'm like, but wait, do I want to start a new decade drunk? Like, <laughs> nah, you don't. Like, I don't really yeah. drink on New Year's. 
or I never drink on. Yeah. Well, that's a lie. I, I always say I'm never going to drink on New Year's. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll have like a some, but I don't want to wake up hungover the next right, day. Because that, to me, that's like how I'm going to spend the rest of the year. Right. <laughs> like and so like I don't. And to, to be, I know that I sound like I'm the big drunk on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and I I mean, I can be a big drinker. I can. <laughs> oh, and I am. Drink. Let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, I really can, but I really don't drink that much. And, and there are definitely months that I'll go by and I'm like, I don't feel like drinking. It just isn't appealing. I'll go to concerts and not have a drink and not because I decided to be the designated driver. Um, I mean, but I will, you know, like I'll take people or whatever, but if I, especially if it's, um, a band that I really want to see, I don't want to spend half my night in a long line having to pee every 20 minutes, you know, like, so if I, if it's a band that I am super into or something like that, I am like locked in. I mean, I barely even want to drink water because I don't want to have to like, you come back like all dehydrated. I I have, I have before, but like, uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's definitely plenty of times and, um, I will say though, uh, getting creative with making drinks at home and having a few at home and like going on four mile walks with my cocktail. (laughs) Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's nothing else to do. So whatever. And I'm just working from home. I have not showered since Thursday and we're recording. I love that that's a brag and it's probably because of your bidet and you feel great about it. It it is, but my armpits are like honey. (laughs) Can you get your armpits in that bidet? Can you just, Ooh, (laughs) yes, you can. You can uh, flip that nozzle up, I think. I'm going to have to try that. Well, well I just we know what's going to gonna happen later. I just need to get my ass in the shower, but um, <laughs> literally, I literally do. But uh, yeah, well, yeah, I just really throw that out there. Back to like the whole drinking thing. I mean, the not showering thing is a fun topic for us as well. But <laughs> as far as, as the drinking goes, though, when you said like, oh, I won't drink if I go to a concert or something that, you know, if it's a show I really love or really want to go see, I, I'm like really racking my brain. I, you know how Facebook does the memories and mm-hmm. I used to wear the cutest fucking outfits and go out on the town and I would have like a cocktail in my hand. I mean, when I was in my rockabilly phase, I was like heavily into any kind of whiskey, you know, like the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so like, I've, I've got like a, you know, like a highball in my hands, like in a cute little vintage dress and like all my photos. And I'm like, I do miss that, but I feel like I hid behind the glass. You know what I mean? Like if I was going to do something and I can't think of a single time where I went to a show, even like you know how like uh, Westward Music Showcase used to be outside and on the sidewalk or whatever in Denver. And yeah. I, I'm saying that like that was many, many years ago, <laughs> but it's we just- We went, uh, didn't we go like- yeah. Oh yeah. Not that long ago. But um, it's like COVID season. So that could have been 32 years ago and I don't know. <laughs> Feels like but it. At this I, I realized when you said that, I don't think I've ever gone to a concert without being, I don't want to say like drunk because that's not ever been me. But, but without a drink. But yeah, without like ordering a drink because I felt like I had to or everybody else was or like I was so, I mean, and it's weird because my friends are so chill and relaxed and they wouldn't give a shit if I had a drink or not. But in my head, it was like, oh, everybody's going to the bar now. I got to go get a drink. <laughs> you know? Right. I, I want to say the last concert I went to was last September to see the Misfits. Ooh. 
love. And I was 100% sober. I drove myself, which is one thing, because I didn't want to pay for, a, you know, $80 Uber. Uber ride by myself. So, um, so that was part of it. Uh, but it was interesting. I, I met up with a coworker who doesn't drink. So it was almost also like almost out of respect for that as well. Um, but then I met up with some other friends who had been drinking and like they were in it, like drinking, probably smoked weed. I don't know. I hadn't seen them yet. And I was on such a different level right? because I was completely, completely sober and it was great. Were you like vibing like up here, man? And they were like down. Well, it was just, it was funny because it was like, this is exactly what they didn't do anything stupid or wrong. It was just like, I know, I know I, that's what we all look like. But when you're the sober one looking at everybody else, like, oh my God, everybody's an idiot right now. Like, right. Exactly. (laughs) Like, you know, just, just like even your face is just squinted and you know, you're just kind of like standing a different way. And I don't know, it was, it was interesting to see that, but, um, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like what was the last concert I saw? And I was sober. So I I can't even tell you, like it was probably a country band at a bar here in town or, well, I mean, yeah, I did in between my sickness of you coughing in my face i did go to like <laughs> you're welcome local, um uh, uh festival in uh, the Ullergrass festival that we have in town that oh I've yeah i know you do that every year yeah and so i went uh because i do their social media and so um well just during that time anyway um but <laughs> it's like <laughs> that was real important well, uh, just, you know, so I felt like obligated that I had to show up, right. but I, you know, was kind of in between not feeling well. And so I didn't drink then and I just took photos and then I went home. Like I didn't make, it wasn't like a big party. Like I knew it could have been every year and, um, you know, getting, uh, backstage VIP, I can drink for free and, you know, and I just, I didn't cause I wasn't well and I'm just didn't feel like it, you know? So, and so I don't really count that as my concert, but, um, I was definitely there for live music, but I mean, like Fiddler's Green, big concert, loud, holy shit. That was loud. Oh yeah. Yeah. Miss. I like that venue a lot. I haven't been, you know what? That was my second time at that venue. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I've been there once. And I remember being like, I'm going to go to shows here all the time. I, and I've been once and it was like probably 15 years ago. Well, yeah. So last September and then, um, when I first moved here 20 years ago and I was trying to, uh, you know, make friends at work and I was working out like wild oats at the time. And, uh, they're like, Oh, Tally, we're going up to Denver, um, to Fiddler's Green to go listen to this band called fish. And I didn't know anything about fish <laughs> because I'm not a Right. And you were like, this is terrible. I was sober for that one too. And I really wished I had all the drugs and alcohol in me to understand what the fuck was going on and why everybody was like loving it. Cause I was not loving it. Yeah. And I- you have to be high to enjoy that kind of music. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so those were my only two. Now thoughts. we've just offended like half our listeners. I doubt it. Do no, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. Jam bands, yoga, hand in hand. I don't know. 
Ew. Shall we take a poll? I don't know. Maybe we should. I'm I feel sorry. like we're the only ro- rockabilly girls we know. Like, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I did discover like a really cool punk rocky type uh, yoga studio out of New York. Oh, that sounds fitting. Yeah. So, but the, and they were all cool. I was like, oh, I remember looking like that and having bangs. I was going to say and tattoos, but I still have them. So. I know, but I, my <laughs> tattoos were so bright. Yeah. Like these flowers on my arm were pink at one time. Yeah. Same, same, <laughs> same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. No, I mean like they're just fading. Oh yeah. I know. Same, same, but different. <laughs> oh, <laughs> same, same. <laughs> oh, sigh. Oh, sigh. Well, sigh, drinking, sigh. um, actually is kind of that could be part of our subject for today. Like our, Oh yeah. We should also do a subject of sobriety and yoga or drinking and yoga and altered states. We've kind of touched on it, but yeah, yeah, we touched on it, but it would be a good one to do, but like, but that's not our topic today, everyone. So don't worry. No, but like <laughs> how, what makes a yoga teacher a teacher? Yeah. Like, are you, do you have to apply all of these, um, thing, you know, practice what you're preaching in class and going through all the steps of, um, through, through enlightenment and all that shit. And, 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 and like, so then that means are we're supposed to just eat vegan and sparkling water all day and like juice greens (laughs) <laughs> you right, know like what is it what does it mean like but or is that the western take on it you know like well I think it's yeah I think it's a perception that's not attainable I mean right. it's just not I mean it is for some some people do do that actually but it, it's it's this persona that we all have me even I had that when I first started doing yoga like well, I'm already a vegetarian, but I don't like how far into this do I need to get? <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, like maybe we start it. Okay. So once you do a 200 hour teacher training, do you consider yourself a teacher? Like, I think that's a good kind of jumping off point. And I think I didn't, I mean, I was so excited and so young and so new to it. And I mean, I had been practicing, but when I say practicing, I, I didn't know anything about yoga other than asana yeah. and I, before I did my teacher training. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, when I was in my early 20, earlier 20s, very early 20s when I did that. And, uh, you know, and, and I hated meditation. I hated having to do all that stuff. But I was like, I guess I have to do this in order to graduate with my 200-hour certificate. So I was pretty bold, like, thinking I knew what being a yoga teacher was, I think. And um, I think I, I just I – ha- I was instilled with confidence, which is great that my teachers did that. And, and I was at an ashram, so I felt like, well, I know these people with weird names. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the guy that gave me my certificate has a beard, so we're good, right? <laughs> in a man bun, I hope. Um, he did, actually. <laughs> he did. No, I love, I love my teachers there. Um, but yeah, I, I, that was my first being at the ashram was my first real exposure to more than just the, the practice, the, the practice on our mat, you know, the moving, mm-hmm. yeah, I, moving and breathing. I, I knew breathing was important, but I didn't know. Well, you really just didn't anything. understand the, I didn't either, but I, 
had that different, which we've, I know we've, we have talked about it, but it's always a good reminder of like, um, in college, I took an Iyengar class, like a weekly um, Iyengar class at school for like a PE credit. And so we really wrote, you know, it was, it was interesting um, to, to learn that almost, I don't know, like almost at really kind of as my first learning experience and a friend of mine taught it and I wasn't connecting the two, like didn't realize that there were all these styles. Right. And so she, although she had a lot of asana practice in uh, her class, I mean, there was meditation and breathing and things like that too. And I just, I didn't, I wasn't getting it. Like I could right. There was a disconnect. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I could hear them and they were teaching just fine. And I loved the breathing. Like that's when in the Iyengar class, I learned about the three part breath and that's still one of my favorites. And, um, I was sore for like days after that. Like I, I was just breathing. That's blows my mind, but I wasn't connecting what that was doing to me, uh, mentally as right. well. I was just looking at the physical. I mean, and that took me, and then I, you know, had a few tapes or whatever on DVD, but, um, uh, not until I really started going all the time at your studio was when it was starting to kind of click, but I mean, it definitely, I wasn't one of those, like I grew up, my mom was a yogi and I grew up doing it and I, you know, and I understood it right away. Like none of that was, um, I mean, it took, it took me a long time to like connect the two. And I really don't think it was anything on, on the teachers at all. Cause they were fabulous, but right. I just didn't, it just didn't click. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I grew you know, my dad collected East Indian art. And so I grew up knowing, you know, all of the deities just because, you know, Ganesh was a figure in our house and, you know, Buddha obviously was a figure in the house. And, um, I, I grew up with all of these, we had murals, we had uh, like hanging artwork. We had little statues that I still have that were my dad's. And so I knew the art. I was always drawn to the art, you know, that kind of stuff. And when I discovered yoga, it was, you know, after dance and being an athlete and, and thinking that I just needed something to stay physical. And Mm. so I don't even know if I wanted the connection of anything else because, you know, I, I had, you know, a rough time for a while and I don't think that I wanted to access a lot of that stuff. And so it wasn't until, I mean, I still remember when they were talking about theming in my very first 200 hour teacher training and I, I just, I remember glossing over it and being like, there's no point. Like it's, that's stupid. All you're there for is to move. Like, I mean, I really vividly remember doing that. And, and again, my only exposure to yoga was, you know, doing it at college. And then, um, I did primary series Ashtanga and it was very my source style. So there was like no real right understanding or transaction or interactions, you know? Right. And so it was like, okay, I'm going to just kind of do what these people are doing. And then, yeah, that was it. And then all of a sudden I was on an Island by my, by myself living in a new place. And I was like, I'm going to do this because I liked yoga and I'm going to get back into it. And, and that was, that was that. And then I, I specialized in prenatal yoga. So again, I, 
I wasn't really understanding. I knew that it helped me, but I wasn't understanding how, if that makes sense. I wasn't, I wasn't putting the two together. Yeah. And so I, I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of people, and I, I have a lot of students who come to yoga that they hadn't, they were very similar to me. Like they're, they're like, Oh, I want to be a sculpt instructor, but I have to have my 200 hour training or whatever. And it's like, okay, well you're, and I introduced them to things like contemplations and journal meditations. And they're like, I'm sorry, what now? Like mm-hmm. I have to do, I have to do like internal work, spiritual mm-hmm. work. Oh, well I go to church every Sunday. I'm fine. Like I'm, you know, and then, and then they do it and they're like, I had no idea that this was yoga. Um, my online training this year has been a really big eye opener because it's a totally different way of interacting with my students. Mm-hmm. Everything is online and you know, I do have interactions with them online, but I think 100% of my students that are enrolled right now in my training that's almost over online, they, not a single one of them had ever been exposed to uh, the eight limbs of yoga or um, the yamas and niyamas or heard of the bag, like maybe they'd heard of the Bhagavad Gita or maybe they heard of the yoga sutras in a class because they heard a teacher say those words, but not having any understanding of what that means, mm-hmm. you know, or ha- hearing a teacher tell a story like if, about Hanumanas, you know, Hanuman and teaching Hanumanasana or something and, and not relating the two. And it's like, Oh, great. That was a nice story, but let's get to it. You know? Yeah. I, I think that's a lot of Westerners anyway. Like we all kind of come to the practice as, um, physical initially. I mean, some people don't, but, but because it's, it's so wide, widely known now that's like, oh, maybe I can uh, find a spiritual side to this. But I really feel like majority come to it for the physical practice. And then like I discovered the more spiritual side and meditation and stuff like that well after, well right. after. Like, I mean, I've practiced almost zero since COVID outside of me teaching a few classes I, I, I'll meditate and that's about as far as it's come for me. Well, and sometimes that's okay for your practice to look like that. When, when I talk about my practice, it's not moving in asana all the time. That's not what it is. It's applying yeah. it to like every day. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I totally get what you're saying, you know, like it's, and I, and an asana practice, a student does not make, right. Like, right. And I'm living proof of that before my teacher training, I thought I was a student of yoga, but I I probably wasn't a student of yoga for another couple of years until I got introduced to more teachers and under, and like understanding the things that were happening at the ashram and the, the kirtan and, and all of that, like what it was I was singing and how I was feeling like that. I was so disconnecting those things with totally being on the mat. Yeah, definitely. So then as yoga teachers, what we are expected, what's expected of us is, well, I mean, and any, anybody really is, if you do practice, you should be taking it off the mat, but at what um, level, I suppose. So like right. back to um, drinking alcohol or, um, eating meat or something like that is, uh, 
I think people, one of the articles I read before we came on, um, a gal was talking about how another yoga teacher uh, set her aside and was like, hey, I have to tell you something. I eat meat, but don't tell anyone because they don't want people to know and judge me. Oh. Yeah. So like, what does the role of the teacher play? Like, at what point are you, you know, hey, kitty. (laughs) Is that a meow? Yeah. (laughs) Um. Well, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point too. I mean, I'm in Montana, so I'm like in the, I'm in the minority as far as like those who do not eat meat, but I, um, the, that really is the question though. What is the role of the teacher? Because we see all these self-help people getting big. Um, I, you know, Marianne Williamson was probably the first self-help you know, quote unquote guru that I was introduced to. Tony Robbins is a huge motive, you know, and they're motivational speakers. Right. And then what is it? Danielle Laporte. Is that her name? Oh, and, yeah. uh, There's some who's the girl, wash here. your face girl that you were just talking about oh, yeah. on one Rachel of the pods. Hollis. Yeah. What? Rachel Hollis. <laughs> yeah. I'm get excited about it. But, but we see this intermingling of these quote unquote life coaches or motivational speakers creating these like empowerment conventions and things like that, or taking your business to the next level. But it's like the, the business itself is multi-level marketing. Like we're going to teach you how to take your business to the next level by you teaching people how to take business to their next level. Like, and give us $500 for every class you take. Yeah. Or try like 5,000. So remember when I texted you and I was like, there's something I need to tell you. Mm -hmm. I am. Okay. So I, got sucked in to Uh-oh. that new podcast called Guru. Have you seen that yet? Mm-mm. Oh my God, you guys, <laughs> you guys, everyone out there. Guru, it's so good. It's about the guy that took people to Sedona. I think it was 2009 and um, a couple people died in what? the sweat lodge. Did you not know about this? No. Oh my we gosh. Do a whole episode on this. I know 100%. I don't know what you're talking about. The thing is, is he is not, uh, he's not a yoga teacher. He's a businessman, but he was, he was charging people like $10,000 to take people on these retreats in Sedona. So Mm -hmm. Sedona is my heart's home and that's where my child was born. And I lived in mountain bikes for years. And so, and I know this retreat center where it is. And I know the people that run it and things like that, that or I did at one time. And I, um, you know, I feel like I felt like this connection. So when I saw this, I was like, I have to watch it because I followed the news on it like crazy. And this, it's an episodic podcast and it follows kind of what, you know, these people were just kind of lost in their life. And here was this guy that told them that he could, you know, and, and he's in the secret. Have you seen that, that video? No. Um, oh, I've, well, it's all, it's all about like, how, what's the secret to like finding happiness in life, right. right? How do you get your life to align? And so I feel like that world really intersects with the yoga world because I have inevitably become a quote unquote life coach, business coach by accident because my students then want to work with me and I've created different apprenticeship programs. Um, not because of that, but through my own work. And then I'm able to apply it for my students. Right. right. But I'm not, I am not qualified to give people advice on life. 
I think a lot of people think we're therapists and unless you've gone through yoga therapy training and have extensive knowledge on that, and even after training, you still should be training (laughs) that you, you can be a therapist, but a lot of people think that we are their therapist and sounding board. And I, I, I'm not a medical doctor either. I can't, I don't know what's going on inside your body and I, or your mind. Right. come to me to grow and I can push you a little bit. But other than that, I can't fix you. Right. Like I can refer you to texts. I can refer you to uh, articles uh, of other yoga teachers about, you know, the spirituality. I can tell you what's happened in my life and how it's guided me. And I can bring you on your mat and explore postures, but yeah. And help you get in tune with that connection, that emotional connection within your body and that's, that's interesting. So I'm seeing all this, but that, that podcast really like got me churning again. And then, uh, you know how, when you binge a bunch of episodes of something, they'll be like, you might also like this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that the yoga is dead podcast also recently did an episode on gurus. Oh. And so I, I listened to only about 10 or 20 minutes of it. And I'll probably listen again afterwards, after we're done here. But it's, it's interesting that this is all coming up right now. I feel like there's this collective energy. Remember that collective consciousness that we've talked about before. There's this energy of, of calling out, you know, and it, it's really, you know, what makes someone a guru? What makes someone a teacher? We are practicing a tradition of yoga when we really look at it that it was handed down from teacher to student, mentor right to mentee. Yeah. It wasn't and, a 200 hour right. training with 20 other people. You were guided through because this person saw it in you and took you under your wing. Yeah. Like Yogananda tells the story of his guru and, you know, and being thrown out of the nest. And I remember having a falling out with my teacher and, um, and then realizing that she had a falling out with literally everyone, but fi- like seeing that go down or feeling that and observing that and then recognizing that this seems to be a pattern. And it's like, you know, from the spiritual perspective, it's, it's, oh, you're finally ready to leave the nest and fly on your own. This is what I thought, you know, when this originally happened years ago. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, this happened to Yogananda and now it's happening to me. I'm totally ready you know, to like uh-huh. fly away. Right. I was not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. Um, I think that's the dangerous side of it is when somebody does love your class and they want you to guide them even more personal on a more personal level. And that's a real dangerous game. Like you really can't, um, you really shouldn't. You really shouldn't. That's why I had to develop a program because it's like, otherwise we're just going to coffee and I'm your therapist. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. There needs you're paying, a- you're paying me for something that's out of my scope. But if yeah. I can put it in the context of, of like, well, this is how I apply the yamas and niyamas to my life. This is how I take this one story yeah. and work it into my daily habit or practice. And, yeah, so- and there's an understanding there that this is what we're going to do. Not you just come and dump all your information on yeah. me. So, but then you have those quote unquote guru yoga teachers who all of a sudden love the power and take advantage. Like when there's power, there's money, there's this like, there's this idea of respect, right? 
Mm-hmm. How and many? The- I don't know. I mean, I don't know this answer. Maybe you do. What percentage of I feel I feel like this would be more men would fall into the power scope of it. How many women have been busted essentially for like overstepping their boundaries, getting, um, you know, like famous. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's very few women, but I think that also, um, men are more easily called out right now after the me too movement. Right. Just a little bit, but, but with women, I, I don't know if there's that power hungriness. I know plenty of women yoga teachers who have dated and even moved on to marry or partner with their students. I know very few men who have done that successfully, (laughs) you know? Right. And so I can't, I can't really speak to that. I just, I just know what I've seen and, and witnessed and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I've always really had this, like, you got to separate business and pleasure. And if you want to date a student, you just have to tell them like, you can't be my student for whatever period of time you feel like is necessary. And then get together after six weeks and decide if you guys are still, you know, if this person's still interested in you and you're interested in them because you're in a position of power. The second that you step into that yoga studio, the second that someone feels that connection with you, because a good teacher, as far as I'm concerned, as far as asana classes go is one where I'm on my mat and they're telling a story or their, their theme is so strong in my mind that I'm like, they're talking to me. Like maybe I had a conversation with the teacher right before class and it's like, Oh, she sprinkled this in for me. And then after class, I'm like, thank you so much. And she's like, Oh, what, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, Oh, that, that wasn't for me, but I'm curious. I, I joke around all the time about how like being in a cult would be pretty cool. And <laughs> I'm like, sometimes we just want to like give it up. And I feel like this is how people end up, you know, giving up their power to God, whatever God it is that you see. But, you know, and I see it a lot with the Christian faith of, of, um, I don't have to take responsibility anymore because that's in God's hands. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what the guru does whether it's in, you know, that's what a pastor can do at church or, you know, your guru from India, you know, traveling down this lineage. But if you, if you look at the lineage of, of these teachers, these gurus from India that came over just about every single that I can think of, every single lineage is tainted in some way or another through a sexual scandal of, of one kind or another. And, but this lineage that's, that's kind of traveled down it's, it's kind of a, what is, what is the word? It's, it's toxic masculinity anyway. You know, women were not really supposed to be a part of this. And now we're in this culture where, you know, women in their Lululemons drinking their green juice are it, running the show around yeah. here. Well, and I was just thinking that too, like it has been predominantly men that have, um, taken advantage because it was predominantly men to begin with. Uh, so that's why right. I'm curious since in the Western uh, side of things that since it's so many female dominant, if anybody has gotten in trouble like that, but I feel, I can't think of any, like any current within the last 40 years, 
I can't think of a single female, but I can name. I mean, I can think of like, (laughs) I can think of female instructors who are like considered like Maha teachers that, uh, you know, they're Western women who are known to be bitches, you know, who are known to really be kind of prima donnas and hard to work with. And I, you know, I, I call them yoga liberties or yoga divas. True. And so I know firsthand accounts of those people, but it's a different kind of power struggle. It's mm-hmm. a different kind of, of, of power that they're searching for. It seems. Yeah. I mean, there's people out there that become yoga teachers because they want to be famous. It's like, mm. um, that's I, why I did. Just- I mean, <laughs> duh, it's all the money. Yeah. Money and power. That's the only reason I'm into yoga. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, I, I had a brief conversation online with, uh, Sean Haleen and, uh, it was over a post that he made, uh, a while back last week, I think. And it was really interesting and it made me have to pause and think for a moment. And he, I'm just going to read you a little bit of his post, uh, because he was saying that people were calling him their teacher. And he was like, essentially he's like, I'm not really that comfortable with this because, uh, you know, like, what does it take to call someone, you know, your teacher? Like, like you actually say, I'm your teacher all the time on the podcast. And so these are all going to be really good questions for you. Okay. (laughs) So Sean says, uh, okay. I noticed there are a lot of people who've listed me as their teacher on their website a couple of which I have had a deep, long, and impressionable relationship with. A few have taken workshops of mine here and there. And a few, I don't even know who they are. Although I'm grateful for a shout out, and it's nice to know my teaching has empowered other teachers over the years, if you are a yoga instructor and you consider someone your teacher, first ask yourself these questions. Do they know your name? Do they know your body? Do they know your journey? Do they genuinely care about you and are they willing to offer guidance when you ask for it and have you asked for it? Um, And then he goes on to pretty much say, you know, like if you can't, you know, if the answer is no, then this person isn't your teacher. And he says, but the journey of teaching yoga is hard, confusing, and lonely. You'll want someone there who can guide you through it when things grow opaque and discouraging. And Mm -hmm. I thought that that was just such a wise thing to say. And I had to pause and say, do my teachers, the ones that I can say, I mean, and my answer was yes, with all of those, some more so than others, but I've also been abandoned by a teacher for, you know, something that I was unaware of. And, and that, and that seems to be that teacher's pattern. So then I'm like, well, is that really even a teacher? Because One other question that I would add to this is for students wanting to become a teacher is, are you ready and willing to become someone's teacher, right? Are you willing to be that person that someone can call on when, when things are tough? And, and that's that fine line we were just talking about. Yeah. And I would say that that's probably, well, I mean, since I'm part-time and at this point, like just not really teaching unless uh, unless I, you know, somebody needs a sub or something and I feel like doing it, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, so, I mean, like right now I hardly even consider myself a teacher. Like I'm just on pause. Um, but when I, when I did sub a class about a month or so ago, uh, 
one of one of the gals I was surprised because she was always in my evening class and I was surprised to see her name on the list and especially we were only accepting like five students at a time because you know it's just the COVID and uh <laughs> and so I saw her I was like oh hey nice to see you and she's like yeah I signed up because I saw your name and I wanted to Aww. take your class and I missed you and I was like oh Oh, like, and you're uh, like, come here and hug me. Oh, wait, we can't. can't. Yeah. But I thought that was really cool because I always taught at night and I just assumed, you know, there's those people who like a teacher and will take them whenever, or there's the people who, well, I go at night because that's the only time I can after work or whatever. Um, so I just put her in that camp and just assumed that, and she specifically, she's like, oh no, I'm retired. I don't work anymore. And uh, so, yeah. So she just specifically went to my morning class just because I was on the list and it made me feel good because like, I still don't did have, it, Hey, Tally, did it give you power? Gave me so <laughs> much power. I have so much power. power. <laughs> um, but it did, it made me feel good because I don't teach a lot. And so I feel like I don't walk the path. There was uh, something else I uh, looked up today. I don't remember who said it, but um, they were defining the difference between a teacher and an instructor. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And this person was saying that an instructor instructs and that they rarely, they like, don't leave the mat. They're just doing yoga with you. And it's their practice too, which I fucking can't stand. Yeah. Yeah, So, um, so there's that or the teacher who will demo or whatever and do a few things, but then get off the mat, circle around, you know, make adjustments either physically or just even with words. And, uh, I thought that was an interesting because I'm always like, I don't know what the, what is the difference by saying instructor? It sounds fancier, but I just call myself a teacher cause I want to teach people. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know how accurate that is, but, um, I thought that was an interesting distinction between the two saying instructor versus instructor versus a teacher. Yeah. You know, I use that differentiation a lot in like cycling coach training when I'm teaching coaches and it comes from, you know, do you want to be an instructor or coach? You know, do you want to dance around on the bike and teach them nothing and get them no results? Or do you want them to gain results because you're coaching them properly. You're giving them uh, exercises to do, certain drills that are building up their heart rate or you know, teaching the muscles to, do, to move in a certain way. And that's, that's my differentiation. And so I would definitely agree that the instructor is, I mean, I joke around, it's like the, the jazzercise gal that's like mimicking you. She's not even looking at you because she's watching herself in the mirror look really hot right. in her like leotard. Right. Right. And that's, that's what I think of as an instructor. Okay. It's, I mean, that's personal. That's totally personal. That might be a great question for our audience. Like what makes you a teacher and also what makes you a student of yoga? Like what, you know, are you a student of yoga after you do a 200 hour training? I mean, even if you don't want to teach, why don't we have deeper study in the realm of yoga? I mean, we do have workshops and things like that, but we don't have like this this well, this place that's this well of knowledge for people, unless it's like, oh, I read books and I'm live in a city and I can go see these teachers all the time. Right. Right. Or take an immersion or something. Yeah. So the only thing that they can do is a 200 or 300 hour training. There's no like 200 hour in-depth study. Uh, well, I'm a liar. 
uh, Douglas Brooks does this amazing, he calls them the Gita sessions, and he does this really wonderful, uh, you know, Rajanika camp. And it's, and it's really a deep dive into um, like the Bhagavad Gita, for instance, is the Gita mm-hmm. sessions. And so it, it goes on over a very long course of time and it's hours and hours of study and it's fantastic. And every time I do it, I get more and more out of it. And he does it year after year, it seems. And like, why isn't there that for students who want to learn how to really up level? It's all these up level kind of courses and workshops are generally geared towards teachers needing continuing ed or teachers, you know, teachers becoming better teachers. And what happened to the student of yoga? That's like, you know what? I want to harness my chi so fucking much and get this prana moving so that I can do a fucking wheel pose or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think you definitely don't have to take a 200 hour to be considered a student of yoga by any, like, um, yeah. So that's, Right. That, <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms. You just I know. And I'm up. opening a bunch of cans and I don't, and I'm just going to let the worms kind of like <laughs> wriggle around and out and we're not going to really resolve any of this yet. But yeah, I just loved the questions that Sean asked. Like, first, do they know your name? Like that, that's huge. They have, well, you knew my name because you're like, who are you? Why do you keep coming to my classes? <laughs> I did. I w- but that was me like gaining interest in you. Like You're right? like, you creep. Time. Why are you here all the time? <laughs> Jesus, you're making me go broke. Yeah. <laughs> unlimited pass does not really mean unlimited. Oh, I went three times a day. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then the other one, do they know your body? Like you're, you're primarily there probably 99% of the time for an asana class. So if you're, if you're being adjusted by someone who doesn't know you and mm-hmm. you know that I, I never, I mean, I don't adjust anybody right now because we're in the no touching phase of life, right. but I, I don't adjust people that I don't know. I, I won't walk. Right. I don't do it at, at festivals or work, you know, workshops if I don't know my students, but, but if I have students in class, you know, the, the students that show up over and over again, and I get an idea that they want to be touched, that they like to be touched, that they need assistance in, in postures, then we'll, we'll do that. And that's what I do too. Yeah. That conversation with our bodies. But I, I just, I feel like that is a really important one. Um, do they know your journey? Like, holy shit. Like I remember you invited me to meet your mother when she was nearing the end of her life. And that was so touching. Mm Mm-hmm that it made me as a teacher invest in you. Like I, I was, I was invested in your journey and, and that that was literally the first time we hung out. Do you remember that? I do. We went for a hike. Yeah. We went for a hike. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Oh, and look at us now. (laughs) I know. Um, like my longest relationship. (laughs) (laughs) We need to talk. Just kidding. (laughs) It's, it's not you. It's me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's true. Like, uh, getting to know, that's also one thing that kind of sucks right now is that, uh, with classes being smaller and, um, it's, it's in and out, like you wear your mask in, well, now I guess you wear your mask entirely in Colorado. Um, but, um, 
so there, after class, people would kind of hang out and you would get to know them and uh, get to know what they do for a living or what, you know, like uh, little things like that. And I always, I liked that. I liked getting to know my regular students just right, hanging out outside, outside of the yoga studio. We're just, you know, they're putting their shoes on or it just started raining. So it's like, eh, just, you know, hang out for a minute. And uh, and then getting to kind of know them a little bit was um, that, that, I mean, that makes you, that's kind of, I do believe that is the role of a teacher. Like you need to go beyond walking in, teaching your class and walking out. Like that would definitely be a role of the teacher. It's just how far beyond role of the teacher do you have to take it with your green juice and vegan cheese? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you want to know that your teacher cares about you. I think I think in a studio setting where it's like, okay, this is my yoga teacher, you know, it's it's thrown away around and it's very casual saying that. But when we're talking about like who is it that I want to emulate as a teacher? Who is it that I have studied with, like, I mean, really studied and who has been there for my struggles and seen me through them or abandoned me in them or, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and that was like a really hard inventory for me. And moving up here, I do feel like I'm on an Island. I haven't practiced with really, I've, I've very practiced very little, mostly online Mm -hmm. with my, who I consider to be my teachers right now. And uh, it's been really hard, really challenging. Well, it's and they're wonderful too. when they reach out and I yeah. love it. Yeah. But like your teacher, like if you're doing in-depth stuff, us as teachers, you don't have to be, but um, since that's what we're talking about and you're seeking a, uh, just more knowledge from another teacher who has that knowledge, more knowledge than you do. And you're seeking that. Like, I I think what's cool about that is um, I do call you my teacher because that's when I actually really got into it. And you guided me through, forced me through (laughs) (laughs) teacher teacher training and things like that. I'd be like the best drug dealer. I really would. You're like, you, you want this. You Um, will do this right now. Give me your arm. We're shooting you up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and you did, you grabbed my arm when I was teaching and I was nervous. (laughs) And I mean, you did, you grabbed me and you walked me around and I was so nervous and I was starting to cry. And I was just like, you pushed me. So yeah, you, you are my teacher. I haven't taken a class by you in ages. Right. So like, and my, I mean, I know I would still love one of your classes, but since you've also now moved, I'm seeking all these, uh, and, and the door has been open. Like maybe my practice has changed and I would take your class. I'm like, Oh yeah, I I love Sarah, but you know, right now I'm, I'm really feeling this other style right now. And well, it's like when you, it's like we, we ebb and flow, like I'm doing a lot more Hatha stuff lately because yeah, that's where I'm at in my practice. See, and you did a lot of power time. before. I taught all power. Yeah. Before. So that's yeah. interesting. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I taught power for like five or six, seven years, something like that. Yeah. I, and it was, I mean, that was where most of my, where most of my asana training was bait. I mean, and what's funny is that was not, I came back to my roots in Hatha yoga and mm-hmm. meditation and 
really moving back to the tradition. And, you know, I teach intelligently sequenced peak vinyasa now. And I've been, I mean, I've been doing that now for, uh, I'd say a decade. Yeah. But, yeah. Or close to a decade. And it's, uh, but I alternated between that and power for a really long time. And I realized that I, I wanted, I wanted to teach something. This is the other thing between the difference between like an instructor and a teacher to me. I wanted my students to leave class learning how to do something on their mats. Yeah. Or access something because of what they did on their mat. And you can't find that in a power yoga class. You can get your students sweaty and hot and strong and powerful. And maybe they do access something. Maybe they feel powerful. Maybe they're in charge again. Maybe they feel confident about their body or their mind. Mm-hmm. But when I, when you see somebody like, like somebody who has terrible balance, hold dancer pose for the first time, or you see somebody nail the splits for the first time, or somebody who grabs hold of their foot in bow pose or wheel yeah. or whatever. And you're, and you see that aha moment happen. Like for me, that's so magical. And people are like, Oh my God, I've never been able to do that pose. But I had an aha moment at the ashram when I was doing um, a training and I got into forearm stand for the first time, you know, when I started becoming a very serious, quote unquote, you know, serious student of yoga, when I was starting to learn how the mind body connection, how this other stuff fit in and how the theming actually fit in. And I popped into a forearm stand and held it for minutes. And Mm -hmm. it's not just because it was three seconds and I thought it was 60. It was like, I was there for minutes and I, I was so confident and comfortable. And it was like all the stuff that I had done up to that point in the asana practice got me there. And that was when it clicked for me, like, this is how I want to teach. I want to teach so that people have this moment every single time they step on their mat mm-hmm. and they will still sweat if they want to, they will still breathe if they want to, you know, they'll still get all this other stuff as a beautiful yeah. byproduct of yeah. getting there. So mm-hmm. that was, that was my asana journey as a teacher. Do you also think, um, this just popped into my head because I, uh, I don't know. I feel like it, this is a, a valid role of the yoga teacher to be able to teach many different styles, like um, doing a hatha and a restorative and a power class and a kids and, you know, all these different things that you could really blend some of them together in a hour, 75 minute class. Um, I feel like when, when you do become a teacher, you're, you're continuing credit. You should continue. You yeah. should grow. And well, just because you take a 200 hour training doesn't mean that you're done and you don't have to learn anymore. Right. And you're, and you shouldn't because you should always want to continue learning. That's why I keep, I'm like, Ooh, I want to do this now. And but I that's what yoga that. is. Yeah. Yoga is a practice. You're not practicing for anything other than to get more practice in. Right. 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 So you got to keep learning, keep growing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would add that to the list as Well, I think that the teachers, to get back to your point, I think that the teachers that are the best have a signature style Mm -hmm. and are known for what they do. And, and the teachers who I've considered as my teachers are all very different. Um, for a long time, I studied one lineage, one type of yoga, one style, very Western style of yoga. And I, when I decided to have a little pushback on that, there was no wiggle room, you know? And it was like, I, it's like, I wasn't allowed to love 
you know, Tia's little and Shiva Ray. Like I couldn't like those two were like opposite ends or, or, um, I, I don't know. Like it was, it was hard. Right. And then I, I came to Judith Lasseter's teachings and restorative yoga because of a physical injury in my body and then realized I had much more healing to do internally too, you know, just Mm -hmm. emotionally. So I think that really great teachers are able to like, that's how new styles are created. That's how they're formed. And that's how you gravitate towards a teacher. But I can see now at this point, after teaching as long as I have, I can see the blending of my, you know, prana vinyasa style stuff with, you know, some of them, some of the really rooted foundational Hatha, mm-hmm. um, very traditional stuff, you know, very, very Iyengar style stuff. Mm-hmm. And then my restorative stuff kind of weaves its way through and, you know, T.S. Little's voice is in the back of my head all the time. And so I, I definitely feel that blending that's been happening over the last, you know, like I said, like probably decade is when I really started putting it together. The first, the first year after teacher training is you just figuring out how to get the words out of your mouth. The second yeah. year is really figuring out if, if you can teach, if you like teaching and what your style is over the next couple of years, usually, because I was hell bent on being, you know, a 500 hour, just Shiva Ray devotee. And, and it's a beautiful practice and she's an incredible teacher, but I, there was something missing for me. There wasn't that wiggle room that I wanted. And I was able to find that in Les Leventhal. Right. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we really enjoy his classes. And I also love the playfulness of Mike Matsumara and, I enjoy the, I don't want to say rigidity, but the very dryness of T.S. Little. And, and I just, and I love the alignment and the new philosophy of asana that I'm getting from Crystal. And then Jeannie Manchester is so deep in the goddess. And then Douglas Brooks is so in, you know, and I'm getting all this stuff from philosophy and mythology. And so I'm blending all of that. And I'm also of an age and of a wisdom where I understand how to blend that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Since I just name dropped a shit ton and I didn't mean to be that asshole, but totally did. The point is, is that we go on these journeys and some people find that teacher or guru immediately. And they realize that this is their calling. This is what they want to do. I've never been like that, but I was not like that in college. You know, I wasn't like that in my career. I, I'm definitely not like that where I want to move. I mean, I love my house, but I'm like, hi, I wonder what the coast of Oregon is like in the summer, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I, but that's also my that's personality. personality. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe other people, I don't know, like you, you really gravitated towards restorative. You've been really good at teaching restorative for a continuous amount of time. Yeah. I was actually doing that for almost exclusively for several years, like to the point where I was like, do I even know how to teach a regular yoga class? And it (laughs) changed to like a slow flow class. And that's how I teach. I mean, it's, there's still a lot of strength in there because you're, I mean, it's just slowed down. It's, it's not injuring. Yeah. And slow doesn't mean like not challenging. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Some people think that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean that's my style as a teacher, but um 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to get back to the role of the teacher. So what is the role of the teacher? <laughs> we, we only have a few more minutes left. Lassoing um, you back. <laughs> yeah. What, it, what is it? Like, do we have this obligation to, or do our students think that we have this obligation to be their friend? I mean, I, I am, I would say that I'm friends and friendly with most of my students. I, I love it when they have, I w- I never had the guts when I first started practicing yoga to come up to the teacher at the end of class and be like, Hey, when you did this thing, can you show me how to do it? Or, or, Hey, I really loved your class. You know, I, I never had the guts to say that. And so when people do that after class, if it's a student, I don't know, I always want to know who they are. If it's their yeah. first time with me, I mean, some of my classes have like, well, not right now, but have like 50, 60 people in them on a regular, like on a daily basis. And I don't get to, I know I recognize their faces or the way that they move their arms in class, but I don't maybe necessarily know their name or yeah, you know, that's hard. I took a, um, my studio is a lot smaller. Uh, I, the, me and this, uh, one gal went to a yoga class and, uh, I, I picked her up and I was with my other friend that I talk about all the time, Erica. Hey, Erica. Hey, Erica. <laughs> and we, and her and I were like very negative, bitchy people, <laughs> just like you. And, uh, <laughs> and so this, this gal who only knew me at the studio gets in the car and Erica and I are just dropping F-bombs and blah, 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 blah. F this and that person's stupid and da, 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 da. And then I, it dawned on me that it's like, oh my gosh, this student only knows me as a teacher and I should be, I need to be at this, um, uphold some sort of decorum of not cussing and I'm calm and I'm never angry and I don't, you know, all these things. And I looked over at her. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Hi, this is Tally not teaching right now. And she's like, oh no, I think it's great to know who you are. But, you know, like that stigma of as a, as a teacher, like we shouldn't talk bad about someone. And I mean, and you really shouldn't, that's just rude anyway. And but you don't, I can't like, you really aren't like a backstabby talky bitch. No, not like that. But just like, you know, if you're frustrated or something right. like venting. Yeah. Or like somebody cuts you off and I'm, you know, I try to be that type of person that's, Oh, well, they're just in a hurry for some reason. Or, but I'm sometimes I'm like, fuck you, you know, and, um, fuck you. Whole, I'm in a hurry too. Yeah. And so I, it was funny that I, I thought, oh gosh, does she have this expectation of me because we've only interacted in the studio as me as the teacher and her as the student. So again, there's that role we have to play, but she totally was fine with it. I probably wouldn't have invited her if I thought otherwise, you know, like, um, so, um, you know, things like that, or like how political do you get on your platform and, you know, things like that as, as we play this, this role of creating these, these, this guidance in class, and then they start following you on social media and they see that you're going out, taking, you know, keg stands and saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> or, you know, like, and then all of a sudden they're like, but my, you know, what my husband's a police officer or whatever, you know, like, especially in, in the current climate, 
Um, I do think that if you're silent, then you're violent, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, but I, I, there's one that there's, there's this one, uh, famous teacher. I won't say her name. I loved her. I even paid like $60 to go to, what is it in, um, Boulder Wonderlust or whatever? Yes. Yeah. So I went once and it was like $60 for me to take one class. It was raining. I didn't even know if it was going to happen and it did. And I loved her class and I was so excited to actually meet her in person and everything was great. She definitely has taken a real nosedive into conspiracy theories to the point where I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I want to take a class by you anymore. But she even said, um, in class, she's like, Hey, feel free to follow me. You're not going, a lot of you probably aren't going to like what you see. Um, but know that this is how I feel. And she pointed over to me at me and she goes, right. And I was like, uh, yeah, like be prepared because that's <laughs> some crazy shit. And I don't, I have to disagree with her on how, I don't know, 80% of it. On like facts. <laughs> yes. On facts. Well, that's so, interesting like, because I, I don't know if I told the story on here before and if I have, well, bear with me. So, but I, I did go to a teacher that I loved. I wouldn't call them my teacher, but they were an awesome teacher that I went to on a regular basis. And, um, we had mutual friends and one time we all ended up clubbing, like going, like going to dinner and then going to a club. I mean, I was in my early twenties and all going to a club to listen to music. Some DJ was in town. It was downtown Denver. And I went, you know, I had to pee. I go into the bathroom and I walk in on her doing lines of cocaine in the women's bathroom. And I, I just could not go to her class ever again. I just, it was like, it, it crushed me. I couldn't even like form sentences around her for the (laughs) rest of the evening because I was like, uh, 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 you know, and like her response was to look up at me and was like, and like, be like, Want some? You know, and I was like, (laughs) I don't have to pee anymore. I'm fine. (laughs) I gotta go home. Oh yeah, that happened. And then, you know, seeing seeing the way that your teachers are in toxic relationships, and I've been in toxic relationships, and it's all about how you navigate it and get through it. And I I understand everyone's human, but when you're toxic yourself, that's Mm -hmm. a really hard realization as a student of someone to recognize that, that them playing the bully is how they keep their power. It's how they keep you as, you know, you're there, your teacher, you're, you're the student. And I got to a point with a teacher where it just felt so icky. Like if that makes sense. Yeah. And we became such close personal friends that I guess I wasn't understanding the difference between the boundary of personal friendship and, when I was being mentored. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't know which hat she was wearing when I shared things. And then when it came to me getting teaching gigs, it was used against me. Right. Oh no. So that, that became a real, a real struggle. Like around the time I moved, you know, it was just, I wasn't understanding this pulling this like kind of pushing away that was happening. And I was going through a really tough time personally and going through some really dark emotions. And, you know, she was this person that I called on for this stuff. And then it was, that was the reason she was taking 
I was leading a training. That was the reason she was taking those modules away from me was because I have a question real quick. So Mm -hmm. were you calling on her as a friend or as Oh, 100% as a friend. Like okay. she was kind of walking me through these steps of like, oh, honey, call me anytime you need. But you're right. You. Like, because she was your teacher, she is wearing two hats. And, so. and essentially she was my boss at that point too. Oh, okay. Right. You know? Oof. Yeah. That's a. So it's like three hats. I didn't, right. I got them all very confused and sure, sure. that, it, it, you know, there's no relationship there anymore. And she clearly did too. If she overstepped the friendship boundary of something that would be confidential between friends and then spilled that out to other oh there was so much lack of confidentiality right yeah but yeah so like she was confused in the hats she was wearing as well i don't think she was confused i just think that she's a toxic bitch (laughs) oh okay but um yeah (laughs) let me tell you how i really feel no i i think that unfortunately Everyone is so, has trauma. Everybody's scarred. Everybody finds yoga because they're a little fucked up and it's the work that they do. And I think that people ebb and flow in that work and they go through this spiral of, 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 um, you know, you think things are getting better or whatever, but, but we all, and I'm totally guilty of this too. We all kind of make the same you know, make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And it really took me like, I don't know, 15 years to figure out a pattern, you know, and I'm right. like, I'm not going to do that, you know? And, and I've been very cognizant of that over the last year of my life, which has made me keep everyone at arm's length. So I've kind of gone to the other extreme yeah. and I, you know, I'm really focused on my friendships with people that I've known that I trust like you, I've known you, I trust you. I don't need to worry about any kind of bullshit or anything like that. And it's like, I have really amazing friends here, but like, if I want to feel like I'm connected, I'm going to call you. Yeah. You know? Right. And, and I think that's where the different, the, the problem with the guru or the teacher is I think students feel like they can unload. And there's times where people are going to unload on you a little bit, you know, in teacher training, it happens all the time when students are like, they go through this growth phase about five or six weeks into 10 week program and, right. and everybody kind of loses it and that's normal. So I'm used to that. But that's the, that's the personal stuff that I don't get to share. Like, I'm not mistaking that as us having a friendship right now. I'm, I'm knowing that you're going through the shit because that's where you're at in your process of self-discovery. Right. Or even, um, crying. Like I remember, um, having issues with Tom and I just walked in to the studio and started crying before class even started. And I was like, I'm sorry, maybe I should go home. Like I, I came here to obviously help myself, but I'm already crying in classes. I'm not, I'm, I'm in, I'm taking my shoes off. (laughs) Like, (laughs) right. You're not even even in class yet. No. And so, uh, and the teacher was like, it's okay. Let it out. Just, it's okay. I mean, if it becomes too unbearable, obviously you can, you know, go to the bathroom. When you start and- like snot nose, like, right. like, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I wasn't, but I do remember like breathing was like, <gasps> you know, because I was Aww. on that verge and I had tears coming down my eyes, but, um, but it, it was good. It was, a, but it, I did 
seek that person, not, I mean, I just said that, oh, I'm having trouble with my boyfriend and that was it, but I didn't like unload on her and, hey, can we go have tea later so I can tell you all about it? Um, But I just knew that her class would be a safe space for me if I did end up crying and ended up crying as I walked in the door. So, um, so that was really good uh, you know, and keeping that boundary as well. So, um, so moral of the story is students don't think that your teacher is your friend. (laughs) Like, I don't know. (laughs) We don't like you. No, I'm kidding. Don't don't tell us all. I really do love you. I love you. I love you all. (laughs) No, I think it's okay. I mean, it's okay, but also know that there is that boundary. And well, in the studio, just like I ask my teachers, like we all have emotions, but all your shit gets left outside the door when you walk in to teach. As a student, you can carry as much shit in that studio as you want because my job is to hold space for you while you deal with it and then you walk out the door. See, I don't know? I disagree with that because I don't I don't leave my shit out the door. I tell people I'm having a bad day. Well, and having a bad day or I mean, I went to a yoga <laughs> I went to a yoga teacher and she fucking unloaded about how fucking horrible men were because she was going through a divorce. And I was like, Oh, this is really uncomfortable. And there was one dude in the class and it was like, <laughs> and you, I, everybody kept making like awkward eye contact with him. Like, are you okay, man? Are you fine? Uh-huh. You know, I, so, there's, if there's a way to deliver it, you know, like, yeah, maybe it's all in the delivery, but yeah. it is important to understand that you're being a professional. I mean, you can go and be an archaeologist yeah. and have a shitty day and be kind of bitchy at work or mopey, but like, you're still going to do your job and you're going to do it well. It's not going to have you like, yeah. not, not build the proper spreadsheet or whatever. Right. You no, I don't walk into class. And I'm like, all right, let's get this shit over with. I'm having a right. bad day and just everybody get on your fucking mats. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And like by the end of class, you also realize, you, I mean, as a teacher, I know I do. I feel better. Be, yeah. Being there was like, oh, I needed to roll through this so that I can step back out there and deal with this shit. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Um, we solved today's like, problems. Wait, what? We solved today's problems. Did we? Did we? No. I no don't. one likes you. Go home. <laughs> we love you. We love uh, you. Are you doing a meditation today? Nope. It's your turn. It's my turn. Okay. I just, I, I had something prepared in case. <laughs> oh, oh, good. I, hey. had to, I was like, wait, is it my turn? So I went back and listened to last week. So I was like, Ooh, whew. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So this, uh, I want to just do a little guided breathing meditation. It's a very simple one. I love all the simple ones that we can use a visualization for because they're simple. God, I'm really eloquent today. (laughs) So for our practice ode today, the best thing for you to do is lay down in Shavasana. Now, if you're driving a car right now, I urge you to not do that. Oh, I think you should. Um, just kidding. Okay. (laughs) Close your eyes though. Oh yeah. Close. If you're driving, you're driving, (laughs) close your eyes and lay, and lay your seat back. Okay. Okay. I'll stop joking. Oh, we're trying to relax, Tally. Okay. <laughs> and you're on your bouncy ball and I see you just bouncing up and I'll down. stop bouncing. She's Sorry. not reclined either. Okay. So everyone lay down in Shavasana. And uh, if you have low back pain and you're at home and you want to just prop your feet up on a chair or your couch, or you can take some blocks, a rolled up blanket or 
pillows or anything and stuff them under the backs of your knees. That'll help kind of alleviate any stress. It'll bend the knees a little bit. It'll be nice and supple. Let your palms turn face up and just do a little body scan. Check in, start at the big toes, work your way across to the pinky toes, and then find your way up the front and back side of the body along the length of the arms and all five fingers on each hand. And then of course up through and over the crown of the head across the face. So just drawing kind of a little outline of the body and filling it in with the breath. And then begin to imagine this outline, the shape of your body as you've already found your way from the toes through the hands up to the crown of the head and back down. On your next inhale, begin to color in the body, breathing in just a little bit up to the shin or mid thigh, and then exhale, press the breath back out the feet. Inhale up towards the hips or belly button. Exhale, let the breath release. And you're back to the outline, the shell of your body. Fill the body up to the middle ribs. Feeling everything begin to inflate. Maybe even feeling the ends of the hands and the fingers come alive and then exhale, release, returning everything back to that outline or that shell, this container of your figure. Next inhale, let it pull all the way up to the shoulders and the nape of the neck. The body is vibrant with life, that prana flowing through the limbs, exhale, softly release. On the next inhale, feel that warm glow of color burst all the way up from the soles of the feet to the crown of the head and up into the hairs on the top of your head. Shooting energy out the fingers. And just as it entered the body, let it slowly exit from the top all the way down. And I invite you to take one more round just like that. The shins are mid-thigh. And visually push the breath out of the body, finding this container that can be filled up with anything you desire. Drawing the breath back up. about a quarter of the way of the body and releasing it and letting it go. And as you continue to inflate the body a little bit more each time, feel the sensations that enter the body. Pay attention to the warmth 
and healing energy that enters as we breathe into those spaces that need our affection. And as you release, you release any, release any negative tension or thought that you might be holding in that place. If you feel perhaps an injury that isn't serving you, just let it melt out through the soles of the feet with the exhales. Allow that last breath to trickle all the way up over the crown of the head into the hairline. Pause in fullness and abundance and then feel it trickle out all the way through the soles of the feet, dripping out. And so I really like this meditation because it helps us kind of empty the body and the mind. We can visually see it in our mind's eye. And if we think about it, our body is really just a container of all this emotion and all this crap that we carry around, all this COVID fear and anxiety that we have to live in right now of the unknown and so when we get to exhale everything out, we get to redraw and fill in that shell however we see fit with each breath. So you're welcome to do that a few more times. Otherwise, just slowly open your eyes. Take a couple of deep breaths. Thanks, everybody, for playing. You've won the prize of relaxation. <laughs> I do feel really relaxed. Um, thank you. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I have one uh, thing. Thank you to Becca for saying that uh, that Sarah was wrong a couple weeks ago when we oh. said... Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Pull it together. What was I wrong about? I forgot. We had Kristen on and you said she was our first uh, out of um, long distance person. Oh, long person. distance guest. Yeah. And we have Marissa Galliardi from Wild Medicine School. So yeah. during psychic, that, psychedelic conversations, I think it was called. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know what? I ca- In my head, I had Beth. Blaskovich when we did the neurosculpting and she was present with me when we were doing Yeah, it. and I figured that and like Brett was with us, but yeah. um but with Marissa also it's like she and I have lived apart for so long. She lives in Sedona. And so my only interactions with her are ever online and over the phone, so it just felt so normal. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I knew when you said that, but I was like it's not worth interrupting right now to say anything. And then it was funny to get that. Um, excuse me. I'm you- shocked that you didn't want to interrupt me. <laughs> um, so thank you, Becca, for pointing that out, that Sarah was wrong. Yeah, thanks, Becca. <laughs> thanks, Bex. I call her Beckley. Thanks, Beckley. <laughs> well, keep following us on the things and send us the things. Apparently, send us corrections. Absolutely. <laughs> send us corrections. Send us your stories. Any funny, weird, wild, 
wacky stories. As tell us student. about your teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about your teacher or, you know, when you're a student or if some weird thing as a teacher. I mean, um, I don't know. Feed our narcissistic tendencies and tell us how much you love Tally and I. That's fine too. We will be okay with that. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely um, leave us a review, subscribe, all the things. All of them. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. So you've been listening to Namaste and Rose. This is Sarah. I'm Tally. And we're done here. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>